Hi, and welcome to the Soul Rising Podcast. I'm Dana. During your time here, you will step into your soul through enlightened conversations, meditations, and stories about healing. I started my own journey on this path long ago by earning a master's degree in counseling, becoming certified in regression and Reiki, and doing countless hours of work to raise my own vibration. It is my hope that you will see yourself reflected in me and in my guests and find self-awareness or a healing method that will propel you further on your own path. It's my belief that we aren't just healing ourselves. We are also healing all the women who came before us and all who are yet to come. Join me every Tuesday to feel more in touch with the beautiful soul that you are. On the show today is Amy Stevens, a magical human being that I met at the workshop I hosted featuring Stuart Pierce back in October of 2019. Amy, like myself, has been a student of Rachel Hope, who was featured on season two, episode 16, earlier this month, and Rachel introduced us at that workshop. I knew immediately when I laid eyes on Amy that I wanted her to be a guest on my podcast and to share her story. At the time, I actually knew nothing about her. This was just having laid my eyes on her, I just knew with a gut instinct. In this episode, Amy shares her story of being the daughter of a minister in the Deep South and eventually coming into her own by embracing spirituality and deepening her own spiritual gifts. Together, we talk a lot about the differences and similarities between spirituality and religion, using her upbringing as an example. We also discuss her grief in the loss of both of her parents and how that has heightened her awareness of spirituality and knowing our loved ones are never gone. Join me in spending 45 minutes soaking up Amy's infectious energy. Well, let's just jump in. I would love for you to just kind of tell me about um, your experience growing up, what your childhood was like. Let's just start at the beginning and learn about Amy. (laughs) So tell me all about yourself. Okay. Well, um, in 1981, um, I was actually born in Cookville, Tennessee. My parents migrated. My father was a minister and he went to Tennessee Bible College up there. Um, and he and my mother moved to Hemingway, South Carolina, uh, very shortly after that. And so I was raised, um, you know, my father was a minister at a very small church in Hemingway, South Carolina. Um, and so he and my mother grew that church. And then, um, you know, uh, when I went to co- went away to college, he and my mother uh, moved to Conway and started a church in Conway, South Carolina, which is about 30 minutes from Myrtle Beach. And so I grew up in a very religious home, very religious home. No cursing, no drinking, no dancing. Um, I didn't go to prom. I didn't, I wasn't on the cheerleaders, you know, so it was, it was very, you know, structured, not, you know, I'm, I, anyway, it was, it was just very religious. And um, funny thing is, is that when, I became an adult and my gifts started showing themselves, I was able to look back on my childhood and see where things were happening to me then 
and I didn't know what to call it. I didn't know what it was, you know, where I would dream about my friends and tell them about a dream. Then a week later, they'd be like, oh, my gosh, remember that dream you had about me? It came true. Or um, I remember meditating on a friend of mine and I didn't know what it was called then. I know now it's called meditating, but um, I was looking for him and I could not find him. And I went into this meditation and I saw where he was so clearly. I saw him laying down in this bed in this dorm room um, with his coat draped over this chair. Light, you know, he was sleeping in the bed and the light was coming through the window with, um, you know, through the blinds and the blinds were like shadowing his face. And I could see him so clear. And the next day my phone rang and it was him. And I told him, I was like, oh my gosh, I had this, you know, I, I did this thing and I saw you yesterday and I saw this dorm room and you know, this light and he was, he was blown away because he was like, I am actually at like a camp, a summer camp. And there was a light outside of my window. And like, I described his room perfectly. And I didn't know, you know, my dad, that stuff was witchcraft. You know what I mean? So it didn't even dawn on me then that, you know, I was a witch. <laughs> but, you know, so I just, I just kept growing and kept learning. And I don't know, for some reason, though, um, the church itself, you know, when I moved out of my parents' house and I was able to make my own decisions about where to go to church, for some reason, the church itself um, although I love the people, I love the family and the community that it that it um, creates, it also excludes a lot of things. Um, and one thing that I've learned on my my journey um, is that religion is only a tip of the iceberg. Like you know, they say they trust, you know, they say they believe, they say they have faith, but they don't really. You know, I feel like the things that I've seen have really enabled me to truly trust and to truly believe and to truly have faith. And I don't know if I, if, I don't know if I articulate that, you know, very well, but, you know, that's just kind of how I feel like, you know, that I feel like growing up in that religious space and, you know, learning everything that I've learned, I feel like it's helped ground me in the things that I believe now, especially, you know what I mean? The things that I know now, um, I feel like, you know, with my father, I can always remember him saying, you know, you know, read, you know, being shaken to and fro in the wind, you know, and to believe what you believe and believe it wholeheartedly. And so, you know, being raised with that now, I know that the things that I've experienced, you know, those are the things that I believe and I believe wholeheartedly. And, there's nothing you can say, you know, and I, and I know that there are church people who would challenge me, but, you know, I, I know, you know, what happened to me. I know what happens to me, you know, whenever I go into meditation. I know whenever I sit in a room with someone one-on-one -on -one and I go into meditation and I tell them things about their life that they have never told anybody or never would expect somebody to know or I can tell when somebody comes in my office how they're feeling you know, that kind of thing, I can't, I can't, you know, just take the Bible and explain it, you know, that takes way more than just the Bible, you know, there's more to religion than just the rules of the Bible. Does that 
kind of, am I going in the right? Yes, yes. Let's go in that direction because um, I don't know about you, but when I was growing up and in church, something to me felt like there was a piece missing. I felt that way all along, even as a child. Um, It was like I was hearing the words that were in the Bible and I believed them, but I was like, this is only one piece of it. Like what, you know, like what is the whole story? Did you feel like that as a child or did you feel like that as a teenager or did you just kind of accept it at that point in your life? I think, I think at that point I just kind of, I think I went through phases. I think the first part I just accepted it, you know, okay. You know, you don't ask any questions, but then, you know, I'm, I must say that I'm, I was a part of that religion where they wanted you to ask questions. You know, if you don't think we're right, go ask your minister, go ask your pastor, you know, go ask, ask us. Um, and so I never started questioning my particular religion, you know, so to speak. But I guess I just felt like, you know, there, I guess I did feel like something was a little bit off and I just could not really put my finger older. And, you know, like I said, you know, when I became an adult, it wasn't like I just left the house and then went to church every Sunday, you know, you know, even now, uh, you know, I don't, I don't really practice in a church. I don't have a church home. Uh, so I, I do feel like I always knew that something was a little bit off because I didn't seek that when I left home. Does that make sense? It does. Yeah, it definitely does. Um, and the other thing I want to ask you, just having a father who was a minister, um, you really had a religious foundation. And I think that there's always a purpose for that. You know, there's always a reason why we are raised the way we are, the, the reason why things happen in our childhood. So looking back, what do you think the purpose of that was, of having that foundation of, of religion? so strongly i i think a lot of it now especially has to do with me finding my voice Mm. um because you know really with all of this you you have to have a a challenge you know and i i had an easy childhood i'm not gonna lie i didn't grow (laughs) up with guns blazing and you know i didn't grow you know I'm black. That was probably the roughest part of my childhood was that, you know, I got called the N-word every now and then, you know, Mm -hmm. but for the most part, you know, my life was pie. We had a brick house. The kids thought we were rich. Then we reminded them of of Philip and and Vivian Banks on the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, you know, and so I'm not going to like, you know, (laughs) know, I had a great childhood. My brother and I talk, you know, we laugh about how wonderful our childhood was. And so I feel like you had to have, you have to have a challenge. And, you know, and at this point in my life, I'm getting chills talking about this, right? Mm -hmm. At this point in my life, you know, when, okay, I've experienced all this wonderful, magical stuff and I want to shout it from the rooftops. I'm like, oh my God, what are these church people going to think? I may as well just tell them I'm gay, Jesus. <laughs> but, you know, and I think, too, you know, I, I also akin this to the fact that I wanted to be a famous actress. And at some point, I was going to have to take all my clothes off on the screen. So, you know. <laughs> so, so, I really think, you know, really just have, finding my voice and, you know, having the courage 
to because I can only imagine, you know, the the because my you know my father built two churches and then you know those churches now have ministers and have people in them that watch people grow up and you know if I went back there to you know to them with this you know a good majority you know I, it would be like you know I can't believe you're going against everything your dad's ever taught all these years you know um, now to say that there are a few people within the church who know you know people who I felt like I could talk to that I was led to talk to. Um, so there are a few in the church who know. There are a few in the church who have even asked me for readings. So, yeah. <laughs> so I, um, I'm very interested to know where that is going to lead and where this is going to lead. Mm-hmm. So what really kind of started the process of you walking, not walking away, but um, maybe finding your own path? from the church and not attending because I'm sure with your father as a minister people were like where's Amy she's not here on Sunday right so how did that happen (laughs) yeah oh my gosh I remember one time my dad asked me what my preacher's name was and I was like uh what started my path um probably just not wanting to go, not wanting to get up in the mornings, mm. you know, just, you know, the regular mundane. I've worked all week. I want to stay at home. Um, but then I went through a phase where I, you know, beat myself up about going to church. And like, you know, you need to be there. And, you know, you know, so I went through that. The phase, guilt. Yeah. Um, the guilt. Yes. Of not going. Um, and then after. And even even though even though I'm more I'm or spiritual than religious, um, I still feel like I need to give spirit some sort of homage every day, you know, like, or, you know, at least once a week, you know, whether it is, and, and especially now I kind of feel like you can go to church anywhere you want to go to church because it really doesn't matter, you mm-hmm. know, in the grand scheme of things. Um, and so, but that still hasn't made it any easier. I still don't get up and go, you know? <laughs> so it's just, it's really, I think more now just laziness and, you know, than anything, the reason I don't go, you know, honestly. Yeah, well, that's fair. Uh, when did that start? Were you kind of, did you go to church all throughout like high school, your 20s? Yes. What? How old were you when you kind of stopped going? Um, I was probably about 25. Okay. About twenty five. I know sometimes it's it's like a slow trickle. You know, you you, you go here, there, yeah. sporadic before you just stop. <laughs> um, and then when I got married, it's funny because when when I got married, I told my husband I was like, look, you know, this is the kind of church that I go to. I'm a member of the Church of Christ. Um, you know, I, I would like you know for you to you know when I take my kids, I want my kids to go to Church of Christ. And he was like, okay, that's fine. And then he even got baptized, and we were like, oh, you know. so I, that mean, that could be another reason why, you know, I was involved. But, you know, my, when he got baptized, I was like, oh, my gosh, you know, it was another sign of confirmation that was my husband, in, you know, in that moment. Um, but, um, you know, so he and I got married, and we went to church a good, you know, a good piece. And I was about 30 then, but I saw, I would say maybe, like, we've probably really stopped, stopped going, like, the last year. So mm-hmm. last year and a half now. Okay. And even now, you know, I'll still go every now and then because, you know, I go home to, you know, where my dad used to preach and, you know, I'll go there now and visit and, you know, go to different congregations just to visit. But like I said, we haven't had a church home probably 
I probably haven't had church home since I was about 25. Okay. And how do your parents feel about this? How has that kind of gone? Well, my parents are both deceased. Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. My mom mom died from breast cancer in 2012. Uh And my dad died from a heart attack last year. Oh, my gosh. Oh. And have you had any communication with them um, since they've passed? My mother especially. My mother Mm. was what started me on my spiritual journey. Okay. Um, my, I, I remember when she, you know, she died April 24th, um, 2012. And when she died, it, I was there, you know, it was, it was me and, you know, it was a, she was in the hospice room and my dad went to leave. And I remember I stopped him in the hall and I was like, you know, you can't go home. Like people are here to, to see her. You can't leave. And he was like, okay, well, I'm going to go to the bank and then I'll come back. I said, okay. And so he left and went to the bank and like literally like moments after he pulled out to the parking lot, my mother passed away. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I remember, you know, it was, it was a sunny day. Her, you know, her funeral was four days later on the 28th. It was beautiful that day. And, and I remember when I went back to Columbia on like maybe April uh, or May 1st, it started, it, I got in the bed and it started raining, like literally the day I got in the bed for three weeks, I cried and laid mm. in, I, I lived off of M&M's and wine. <laughs> like, that was my diet, M&M's and wine. <laughs> and I remember looking at my phone and wishing that she would call. Mm. I remember just being so, and I'm, I'm going to get emotional. Yeah. I remember just being so upset, you know, because, you know, I, I handled, you know, her death and preparing for the funeral. You know, that's that's one mindset. But, you know, now here it is. I'm grieving and I'm mourning. And my entire mourning period, I'm, you know, trying to decide what to do because I had a good friend in California say, you know, look, just come, come live with, you know, live with us. We'll take care of you. You know, two friends of mine from college, Jared and Tressie. And Jared, you know, said, look, you know, you just come out to California. We'll take care of you. And so I was trying to decide what to do. Did I want to renew my lease and stay in Columbia or move out to California? And so for three weeks, I cried and cried and cried and cried and cried. And it rained and rained and rained, mm-hmm. like literally every single day. You can pull the farmer's offer deck. <laughs> whoever is listening, pull the farmer's offer deck <laughs> for Columbia, South Carolina. <laughs> the days of May 1st through... <laughs> For three weeks, it rained. And, and I very shortly after that started finding pennies and dimes. And, and I found more pennies and dimes as a 31-year-old adult than any adult should ever find. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I knew that, you know, and I didn't know, you know, what it was, but I had a friend who, and it's funny because when, usually when somebody in my life dies, I, it's like, at least it's a lead up like people in my life will start dying you know mm-hmm. not necessarily close to me but friends husbands or you know like in this particular case with my mom i had a really good friend um she's an older lady her and husband were married for around 50 or something years her husband died and she's the one who told me about the pennies from him then my um my other good friend from kindergarten her husband died i was upstairs with her one-year-old daughter the moment he died and like 20 seconds before he died, her daughter looks at me and says, my daddy is going to heaven and 
He's mm. going to watch after me. And I got chills and I was like, oh my gosh. And people downstairs started wailing at that exact moment. And that's when I knew, you know, that he came and tell his daughter, Bob. And so it was, so it's, you know, just little things like that, you know, that made me realize, you know, my mother was reaching out. And so that was just the start of the rain. I didn't realize that at the time, but after that, you know, the day I decided, you know what, I'm moving to California and I woke up and I got out of the bed and stopped raining. Mm-hmm. And I, I put everything in my, uh, my condo up for sale, you know, on Craigslist and, you know, started making arrangements to move. And like during this time, my friend, my friend from kindergarten, her, um, she started dating again. The guy that she was dating, um, we knew from high school said, look, I've got a house. He needs some place to go, go to my house for six months. And I moved out of my condo wow. to this house for six months for free because oh he said, gosh. you're doing me a favor, just watching after the place. So for free, I'm living, you know, and so I, I don't discount things like that that happened to me knowing that my mother was behind them. Yeah. Um, knowing, you know, my mother told me that I was, I was pregnant. I mean, you know, so it's just, it's different things like that. I mean, and let me even back up before then, because um, my husband, so I was going to move out of California and um, I met my husband, uh, like, let's say about, I don't know, 12 weeks before I was supposed to move. And uh, I met him again at a birthday party of another. So my friend from kindergarten is a twin and her twin sister introduced me to my husband. Okay. And um, she threw her husband a surprise birthday party and my husband was there. And so we met. And uh, when I realized, you know, this is a really nice guy, I might need to, you know, do some looking into him, you know, to, you know, see if we should, maybe we should date. And, you know, when I decided to get serious and, you know, the day we went to meet my dad, you know, it rained. The day we got married, it rained. And then we decided we were going to do, because we eloped, well, we had a very small ceremony that we were going to do like a big reception. The day we did our reception, it rained. And then a special delivery of a rainbow was also there. Wow. Um, The day, uh, so I mean, I've got all of these. And even then, it still didn't dawn on me that my mother, you know, I'm laying in the bed like, oh my gosh, I wish the phone would ring, you know, wanting my mom to reach out in that way. It didn't dawn on me then that she was reaching out to me, you know, in the way that she knew how, you know. Mm-hmm. And now that I understand how she communicates with me, it's way more comforting, you know, in even just having her annoying ass here. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. so. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Thank you for sharing that because I that got me emotional too. I mean, just... My mom is still here, Earthside, and I just can't imagine that feeling of waiting for her to call and and her not. Um, and I love that you were able to maybe look beyond what you wanted her communication style to be from beyond and opening up to something else. Um, so I'm curious, has your father communicated with you at all since yes. his passing? And how ha- has that been different? Now, you know, the funny thing is, is I started my class with Rachel March 6, 2018. My daddy died April 13, 2018. Wow. 
And so had I not been in that class, you know, had my mother not led me to that class and I've been in that class and I was in that class, that his death would have completely destroyed me. But the funny thing is, is that I knew, <clears throat> I knew in the, I didn't know what was happening when it happened. But when I look back after I got the call and I was like, why did my daddy, you know, oh my God, I have these gifts. Why didn't my daddy, wait a minute, he did. I remember that day so clearly. My son was about a, a little over a year old. And like I said, I was in Rachel's class. And so we meditated uh, three times a day. And um, I was, I went out that morning and, you know, me and Clark and, you know, did our meditations and then we had lunch out on the, on the deck and I went in and took him down for a nap and I went back outside to do my set. It was so beautiful outside. I spent all day outside. literally. And I remember I was sitting, I was in meditation and I was literally thinking, oh my gosh, you know, how am I going to, now, you know, I'm adding more to this, but you know, it was a lot more calm because you're in meditation, right? Yeah. <clears throat> but I was literally thinking pretty much like, how am I going to tell my daddy I got these spiritual gifts? This man going to think I am going to, oh my gosh, what is this man going to think? And literally this feeling of peace washes over me. This is about 1.30 in the afternoon. This feeling of peace just washes over me. And I hear, he knows your heart. Hmm. And I was just like, oh, and, and I just, peace just washed over me. And so I knew in that moment that I was going to tell him and that he was going to be okay because he knew my heart and he knew that, you know, I, I don't lie. I can't lie. I'm one of those people who, if you ask me a point blank question, I cannot lie to you. And so my dad knows that I'm honest and that I'm, you know, I'm loving and that, you know, that I, you know, embrace all of these qualities. And so just in that moment, knowing that my dad knew my heart and this peace washing over me, I was like, oh, okay, well, you know what? I came out of meditation and did the rest of my day. And that night my stepmother called me and it was probably about 1130. And she said, who do y'all use as a coroner? And I was like, what? I came home and I found your daddy dead in the yard. What? Oh my gosh, that's how she told you? Well, she said, I'm sorry, who do y'all use as a funeral home? Who's, who do y'all use for funeral home? Still. And I was like, what? Yeah, so that's pretty much how she told me, you know. you know. She didn't lead with it. Like, oh my God, you know. And so we immediately get on the road and I'm driving home and I'm like, oh my God, how could he not have told me? Wait a minute. He did. So when I got, you know, it was a two hour drive from Columbia to Conway. And when I got to Conway, um, you know, it was the middle of the night, but, you know, when I started asking the questions, you know, she, she was in Somerville, she was away from him all day. So she didn't come home until around midnight and find him there until around 11 o'clock that night. And the coroner said, you know, it looked like he died in the, you know, in the middle of the afternoon from a heart attack. And so when I, when I really talked to my husband about it, I was like, I know exactly when he died. Yep, one thirty. Exact moment that he died because he came to me and he told me that he knew my heart, and so that gives me more comfort in quote unquote facing the church. But I almost feel like you know they're not my enemy. You know, like in this moment, like right, this 
I'm going to be. They're not my enemy. No. Um, they're not who my message is for. Um, the message that I have is for anyone who's open and anyone who wants to be open enough to know what I have to say. And everybody is, that's not, not everybody. Mm-hmm. That's exactly right. That's how I feel too, that um, in starting this podcast, it's like, I know I'm not going to make everyone happy, but I think we have to speak our truth and it's time and it's time for women especially to be speaking our truth and um, to say what has been held back for so long. And I think that your parents on the other side are both giving you the strength and the support and the love to do that, to do your life's mission. I mean, that's just firmly what I believe. And I think if they were here in physical flesh, they'd be saying the same thing to you. I just get the sense that they would have loved you no matter what your beliefs are. Um, it may have been hard for them to kind of come to terms with it at first. but You know, I, my parents were both very honest people. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know what would have happened had they been here. Um, but I do know that, well, I feel like they would definitely be more open. Mm -hmm. My mother saw an angel when her mother passed away. And I was talking to someone from the church and I was I was kind of telling her about my guess. She's like, Tim, your mother used to see angels. <laughs> you know, and so I I don't I don't even it's funny how black people won't talk about this unless you bring it up. Mm. And so in the moments, you know, like around in funerals, you know, when we you, you tend to get together or family reunions, you know, I, you know, I will start. I usually lead off in the conversation, and then you'll hear just like like lights on in the room, bling, you know, bling 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 bling, just flickering on their lights, which is like, oh, this one time I had a dream, and my mother came to me in the dream, and she said blah blah blah, or oh you know, this happened, or, you know, and, and people start talking about how aunts come back to visit them and say goodbye, and, and you know, and so it's, it's really magical how, you know, whenever I'm in a room, even a very religious room, if I can just, if I turn on my light switch, I'm just watching all the other light switches turn on in the room, to me, it's just magical, just opening up the conversation in my, my community about, you know, hey, y'all, this is not witchcraft, okay? Trust me. I don't go home and, you know, get rat tails and, you know, spider web, you know, and, you know, I don't come up with incantations. I I don't really, it's not like that, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, it's more sitting still and listening to that voice that's going to lead me the right way because I found whenever I try to do things my way doors just close and close and close and then I'm like oh my gosh my life is all fucked up you know mm -hmm. but if I just sit back and I wait and I listen for that guidance then those doors open and you know and I get you know people who say you know hey I can help you in this manner or hey I can help you in this manner and so I think really just opening up the communication in the community to help them realize, you know, look, 
all this long suffering that y'all talking about all the time, like that's not what God put us here for, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, God wants us to be happy and abundant and full. You know, he doesn't want us to suffer and suffer long. He wants you to get on the right path. You know, your your spirit guides and your ancestors want you to get on the right path and want you to live a full and abundant life. You know, and so and that's part, I think, of the message that I'm supposed to share, you know, is just really just trying to get people to open up about the lines of communication and, you know, realize that, you know, this is not a bad thing. This is just part of something magical and amazing. And it's just, it's an extension of what you already believe is really what it is. Amen to that, because I think... Sometimes it feels like, like you said, they see people who are spiritual as witchcraft and maybe those of us who are spiritual look at religious people and think, gosh, you just follow so many rules. You're just so like regimented. But really, there's so much more in common than I think we even realize. I mean, what bothers me is that I think people read the Bible and they say like, it was okay for an angel to show him or herself to Mary Magdalene to let her know that Jesus had arisen or, you know, to Mother Mary to let her know that she was going to be carrying the Savior, but we can't experience that. They think that it's it's witchcraft, it's scary, but really we all hold that divine spark within us. We are all capable of that. Every single one of us has a spiritual gift, and it's just a matter of figuring out what it is and being open to seeing an angel that maybe doesn't look like a human being with wings, that maybe looks like a blob of light, you know? So maybe just being right. open to that stuff, right? I mean, we have so much in common. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yes. I have been reading, um, well, I've always been really interested in religion and spirituality intersecting. And right now I'm reading a book called um, Mary Magdalene Revealed by Megan Watterson. I don't know if you've heard of it. It is incredible. I mean, it is, it cracks the whole thing wide open. Um, and it talks about the gospel of Mary Magdalene that was discovered and has, of course, been um, ripped apart. There are several pages missing, and you can tell from the way it's written that it begins and then abruptly stops and then picks back up again. Um, but it talks about the love between Jesus and Mary and how they had a romantic, divine love relationship and that we all can have that as well, that we are all 100% divine and 100% human and that that can commingle and create this spark and that we, the more we can recognize that in ourselves, the more we can have a fulfilling experience like you were just talking about. And um, it's just an incredible book. And I just was thinking about it as you were talking because I think it bridges a lot of those gaps and um, – could really help people to understand Jesus a little bit more in a different perspective. My mother, yeah. My mother told me I was pregnant. Did she really? She did. She knew ahead I, of time, huh? I have PCOS. Ah. I don't know if you know what that is, but that basically means, you know, uh, every month, rather than me, you know, releasing an egg, I release a cyst. And so there are some months that, you know, I don't even have a menstrual. So I would go months without one, or sometimes it would come on and it was gone for months. Um, but, you know, and during that point in time, I hadn't seen it in five or six months, right? And it was no big deal. And 
um, I was just up real late one night and I felt, you know, just kind of funny on the stomach. And I was like, well, you know, I guess if I'm throw up, then I'll go to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> I went in the bathroom and I shut the door and it popped open. Like, I was like, hey, mom. Oh, my gosh. And I hear, take a pregnancy test. I was like, oh, whatever, I'm not doing that. And I'm scrubbing the toilet, right? So I'm not, like, talking out, you know, <laughs> scrubbing the toilet, whatever. <laughs> Nothing happened. I didn't throw up, you know, or anything. But the next morning, I was sitting, you know, I was like, you know what? Let me just take a pregnancy test just to, and I'll be doggone if I was not pregnant. I could not wow. believe it. I took six more tests after that one <laughs> yeah. just to be sure and I, because I was just like oh my god how, and then it became oh my god how pregnant am I right you know I could we could be about to have a baby <laughs> yeah you could be on that show <laughs> <laughs> so then we went to the doctor found out I was only six weeks pregnant wow so we're like oh Okay. She was like, you thought you were more pregnant? Oh, my God, yes. So, so I mean, so it really, you know, like, it didn't even dawn on me about how the angel told Mary that, you know, she was going to have a baby, mm-hmm. you know, until you said it. Yeah, my mother came to me and told me I was going to have a baby, you know, and it was just, I just, I could not, because we had already resigned ourselves to not being able to have any children. And so, you know, the fact that he came along was just really surprising and the, the way I was told was really surprising um and of course the day we announced it it rains and of then course. the day we brought him home from the hospital it rained so and every birthday that he has had since he was born it has rained wow that is unbelievable not unbelievable why do we use that word it's it's because just amazing it's brain, brainwashed. <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> we just don't have the right words to communicate some of this stuff you know we just Oh, it's I not here. Agree. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about your um, spiritual gifts because we've alluded to them. So obviously you are highly intuitive. So how does that present for you? Do you hear things, see things? You know, what is kind of your Claire, um, your dominant Claire, or how does that work uh, for you? My dominant Claire is hearing and seeing. Um, uh, I see lots of numbers um i see i i hear messages you know i read it you know you know if i'm contemplating something i might open up a book and read a a random line in a book and bam you know it's you know the message that i needed to get for that day um or i might feel led to read something um or like for instance that day that we set up the podcast date and you were like oh my god i pulled this card for you and you send it to me and it literally you had no idea what it did to me it had me in tears i'm like oh my gosh I needed, to read, I needed to read this you know so um seeing and hearing um i you know people will come to me and give me messages um pe- you know regular everyday people you know sometimes i'll be in meditation and i'll hear i'll receive a message today and you know i might meet somebody at a grocery store and i just know like in that moment that this is the person going to deliver a message and they'll say something and it'll resonate um and so i'm just i'm just very very aware of um you know how things are communicated with me you know i'm just i guess i feel like i live my whole life like you know sitting on the edge like okay what's next (laughs) 
you're open. You're open to it. <laughs> yeah, I would love. I would love though. I mean, I know. I guess maybe we shouldn't do this, but spirit. I would love if I could dream. <laughs> <laughs> I have a friend who's always like, Spirit, give me something. Like, let me see auras. Like, let me, like, you know, give me something concrete. But I do think a lot of it is is that trust piece that you were talking about earlier and just having that faith and believing in it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I We want something um, so concrete. But I know that I find when I get messages in meditation, it's very subtle. It's, um, often a very simple message. It's not some long thing. It's, it's short and sweet and to the point, (laughs) you know? Be patient. Ugh. Isn't that the worst one? (laughs) No, I think the worst one to me is, um, I've gotten, I've gotten told my husband and I bought this house on a, a rent, uh, uh, owner finance, and I knew that we should not have gotten that house. I knew it. Spirit already, you know, pretty much laid everything out. But I was like, you know what? We're gonna do it anyway, and we did it anyway. At the moment we moved in, what did I say about them doors? Bam, 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 bam. bam. Oh, electrical Lincoln roof. And mm. I mean, it was just like a horde of things that just went about the house and so um i went in meditation oh spirit what are we gonna do spirit i told you so (laughs) 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 you know a message very similar to like Mm -hmm. no don't come to me now i told you so you know so yeah i think i think those are probably the worst ones when you're like oh god spirit you know i I don't mind getting to be patient because that's more confirmation for me that, you know, at least that I'm you're on the right, right path. path. Yeah. yeah. Just to wait. You know? so. That's funny. Um, have you ever seen the show? I know you have a boy, so maybe Clark doesn't really want to watch this, but have you seen Elena of Avalor on uh, the Disney channel yes. at all? Yes. Okay. I don't know how much you know about it, but she has a spirit guide and um, he will pop in and when she's about to mess up and he'll be like, you really shouldn't do this. And she's like, I'm doing it anyway. And he's like, okay. And then he like disappears. <laughs> okay. And he'll come back and he'll be like, oh, we got to get you out of this mess now. I mean, because. Yeah. We... And, and that's true. The spirit helped us out with that house when it was time for us to leave. And when it was time for us to leave, and we made the decision to leave. And I started looking. My husband was like. I don't know what you're looking for. We don't have the money to move. It's going to cost us at least, you know, X amount of dollars to move. And, you know, we don't have that right now, blah, blah, blah. And I told him, I said, you don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You don't know if we're going to wake up tomorrow and there's a mysterious check in the mailbox. That's right. So, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. And I'll be doghorn, like, literally the week I, I found the place. We didn't really have the money, so we borrowed it from a few people. And then I got a call that one of my jobs – um, the I was pulling a permit for a job, and normally I don't get paid until the permit is pulled. And so this turned out to literally be months prior to the permit being pulled, but the guy was so excited, he wrote me the check. And I went, and the check was for $1,500, which was like more than half oh my gosh. what we needed. Like, that was pretty much what we needed to move. 
Yeah. And that was like three days after I found the place and decided to, you know, honey, we're going to go with this place. And so, you know, we borrowed like, you know, $300 from a friend to put it, you know, just to put it you know, to the side for the rental company. And then boom, this money comes in. And then my stepmother calls me and says, your daddy, your truck making a funny noise if you want to come get it. And I was like, oh, okay. So we rode down and got it. On the way back, I'm like, you know, my husband's driving behind me. I'm like, hey, babe, what's the truck doing? Nothing. I don't hear anything. <laughs> so we just got, we got a truck the week we're supposed to move. Like, oh, my so, gosh. I mean, so Spirit worked it out, you know, afterwards. But for the most part, all of that whining and crying, that's kind of how I do now in my office. You know, people come in and they whine and cry. And I'm like, look, look you did this to yourself, you know. But you have to figure out why. What are you supposed to learn from this? And so, I, you know, our our decisions are definitely, you know, more based on more spirit led. <laughs> you know, I'll say a good ninety five percent of my decisions are more spirit led now. Um, you know, I got to save the extra five percent for the evening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There always is that, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but it is. It's about being in that flow and about trusting and listening to your gut and making decisions from a heart-centered, spirit-led place. And you won't be led astray if you actually listen. Isn't that right? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Sounds like you're just, you're living it and you're making steps towards your truth, you know? Um I would just love to kind of give you a chance if there's anything that you wanted to touch on that we didn't hit. Um, before we end, if there's anything that you want to share, any kind of message or misunderstandings that you want to clear up, just kind of about spirituality, um, I'd just love to give you that space to do that. I think I would like everybody to know that people people seem to be more receptive to spirit whenever they lose people that are important to them. And I think all of that's a part of the awakening process, you know, um, for, you know, the people that we've picked before we come here, um, you know, in our lives. And, you know, we have these beacons around us. And when they start to go out, we start looking for that in other places. And, um, those beacons are just as bright on the other side as they are here on the earth side, if we know what to look for. And if we're open to receiving that light from the other side, and just really, you know, I just really just want to express just to be open, you know, to now every single thing isn't a sign, you know, I'm not saying that at all, you know, but you know, if you're, you're contemplating something or if you can't decide, you know, if something is right for you or, you know, especially let's say with a mate, you know, because that's a very important decision or a house, you know, you can't decide what's right for you, then, you know, definitely look to spirit, look to your, you know, to your inner voice, look to, you know, your gods to help you make big decisions like that. You know, if you, want to start off that way, you know, you don't you start where you're most comfortable. Um, but I would say definitely, you know, be just open and receptive to looking and receiving, you know, 
even before those lights started to go out on this side, you know, just being open and receptive. You said that so beautifully. That is, I, I love the visual of thinking of a beacon of light on this side and it never really, it it's not extinguished. It just passes to um, a different realm behind a veil. We just can't see it, but it's still there. It's still there and it's still just as bright. Yeah. You know, like, you know, with my mother and, you know, how I, I laid there and I wanted her to come to me and my husband and I, <clears throat> when we got married, um, you know, I still, I didn't know, but we would go in, you know, we had a two bedroom house and in our spare bedroom. Sometimes we would go in there and the light would be on. I'd be like, Claire, did you turn this light on? No. Did you turn it on? No. Did you turn the space heater on? No. And so it got to a point where we just knew that it had to be my mother, you know, turn on the light, turning on the space heater in there. She was always cold. And that room was chilly. And so we would go in there and the space heater would be on, you know, and he didn't do it and I didn't do it. And then one day we were talking about her and the juicer on the other side of the room, like flicks on and stuff, you know, and so just looking, you know, for how they're going to communicate, you know, and, and, it's not scary. And I guess that's another thing that I would love people to know that it's not scary, you know, whenever they reach out to help lead you to do something. Cause they, they obviously know more than we do, you know, because now they have, they have access to unlimited information. And, you know, here we're like, Oh my God, I can only see, you know, mm-hmm. right in front of me, you know? So that's so crazy. I've had those same experiences, and uh, <laughs> I just love it. It's amazing. I just appreciate you for letting me share. Thank you. Amy, I am more than happy to have you here. I just feel blessed to have you on my podcast, and um, I just appreciate your willingness to share your story and to share your path. And really, I think sometimes we feel like, is my story enough? Does it even mean anything? And think yes everyone's story is so meaningful because if one of us can do it and come through it then it opens a pathway for others so i think I'm that's amazing girl from Hemingway, South Carolina. aren't we all you know and we're all yeah. special too we're all we're all normal yeah. and we're all unique <laughs> yeah yeah you know like and that's mm-hmm. kind of how i feel like you know i'm just a regular girl from Hemingway, South Carolina that all this amazing shit happens to Yep. You know, and if it can happen to me, it can happen to, you know, it can happen to anybody. That's exactly right. Well, thank you so much for sharing. Thank you. I hope you found information, clarity, or inspiration that you'll take with you today and use in your everyday life. If you enjoy my show, the biggest compliment you could give would be sharing it with your friends, subscribing, rating, and reviewing it on whatever device you use to listen. Visit me at thesoulrisingpodcast.com or at the underscore soul rising podcast on Instagram and Facebook. A huge thank you to Purple Planet for the music used in this episode. See you next time.